Good morning, church. Once again, it is uh, an honor and a privilege to be here and be able to bring God's word to you today. Um, we're going to be looking at a passage from Matthew. And now, this passage here, um, Jesus had been talking to the 12 disciples before he was about to send them out for the first time on their own. He was telling them what they're going to be able to do and what to expect. Uh, some of it sounded really good, like healing people and casting out demons, but some of it sounded not so good, uh, like that they might get arrested or beaten or uh, have to appear before governors and kings. Um, our text today starts right after that continuation of what Jesus is telling them. Um, it's a bit of a long passage, but we're going to look at it in four parts. So we're going to read Matthew, um, Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 to 39. The student is not above the teacher, nor is the servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like the masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What I whisper in your ear, proclaim on the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not, not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. However, acknowledge me before others, and I will acknowledge uh, you before the Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn man against his father, daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies will be members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. So, <laughs> there's a lot there. Um, Let's take a closer look, but first, um, let's just pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for um, just the words of Jesus that we can learn so much from the word. And so I pray as we dig into this text, just give us open ears, eyes, hearts to receive the message that you have for us today. And Lord, just hide me behind your cross. In the name of my um, so, Jesus said a lot in this passage. Uh, and to think this isn't even everything that he was telling the disciples. This is just kind of like the ending of his sending a message. Um, but I want to take a closer look at some of these things. Starting at verse 24 to 30, I mean 26 to 30. We see Jesus, he's letting them know or warning them that it's not going to be easy. People are very upset with Jesus and what he's been doing and the things that he's been teaching. And now he's sending the disciples out to share that same message. Uh, and so it's just kind of common sense that people will get angry um, with them as well. So it says, Do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. 
Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Now, Jesus is telling them to proclaim loudly. Um, even though he wants them to share his message, he wants them to be bold in their, what he's telling them to do. Bold in sharing um, what he's given them to share. Um, <coughs> even though it might bring about death. He tells the disciples not to fear those who can kill the body because um, it has no consequence on eternity. That they need to fear the Lord, though, because God has power not only over the physical, but the eternal, too. Um, I know <laughs> the fear of the Lord um, is not really something that we like to talk about, um, but it is important. Uh, it's important enough that Jesus is telling his followers here this. Um, and, you know, in the Bible, there's actually over 300 references of fear um, in reference to God. Uh, so I don't think we should downplay it. I do think it is something we need to look at. Um, you know, sometimes, okay, uh, in the Bible, if you look through the Bible, just if you do a Google search on fear of the Lord versus, and you're going to get tons and tons of that. Sometimes it's used, like, um, in Genesis, when Joseph uh, was talking with his brothers, he uses, he says, um, I fear the Lord, so you can trust me. That was kind of his his um, backing for his word is that he fears God. Um, there was in Second Chronicles and in Exodus, the fear of the Lord was actually a requirement um, for the judges that they put in place over Israel. Um, so if they feared God, then they knew that they would um, judge justly. In the same way, um, many verses tell us that the fear of the Lord keeps us from sinning. Um, in Exodus 30, after Moses has given the Israelites the Ten Commandments, um, they see the lightning, they see, they hear thunder, they hear trumpet, they see smoke, and the Israelites are petrified, they're afraid. Um, and so then they tell Moses that he needs to continue to talk to God on behalf of them because they're scared that they might die. Uh, but in verse, in, in, sorry, in Exodus 20, verse 20, it says, uh, Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you, so the fear of the Lord will keep you from sinning. Now, um, it's kind of funny how he says, Do not be afraid, but then the fear of the Lord, because they're different. Um, also in Exodus, if you're looking through the verses, you'll see that uh, whenever Pharaoh gave the decree for them to kill all the babies, uh, it says that the Israelite midwives wouldn't kill the, ba the babies, even though Pharaoh commanded, because they feared God. Um, multiple times in Proverbs um, and in Psalms, it was in our in our opening today, um, in Job, we see that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. So, uh, Proverbs 14, um, and look at some of Proverbs 14. Verse 2 says, Whoever fears the Lord walks uprightly, but those who despise him are devious in their ways. Verse 16 says, The wise fear the Lord and shun evil, but a fool is hot-headed and yet feels secure. Verses 26 and 27 says, Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning person from the snares of death. Um, there are so many more verses like this that tell us that we need to fear the Lord. But when we look at those verses, like what does it say, uh, it says it's a secure fortress, uh, a fountain of life. It leads to, to wisdom and knowledge. 
Um, so these are good things. Uh, a holy fear of God. You know, this is, this is, uh, our God is a holy God. He created everything. He's big, he's huge, he's powerful. He literally spoke the existence of our, like, everything that we see into, into being. Um, he has the power over death. He has the power over sin. This is an amazing and awesome God. Um, and when we see that and we have a healthy fear of God, you know, it, it, it makes um, the seriousness of sin uh, evident to us. And we don't want to dabble in it. Um, in Philippians, Paul says, um, we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. I, <laughs> I remember being a teenager, um, and after giving my heart to the Lord, um, I was afraid all the time that I was messing up too much or I was going to make a mistake and I wouldn't be able to, you know, make it to heaven. Um, I remember many nights laying in bed and just being afraid and praying those prayers of God, forgive me for anything that I might have done today because, uh, you know, I want to be with you in heaven. Um, but I didn't have a healthy fear of God. I was just afraid, like the Israelites that we just saw. Um, and this isn't what Jesus is talking about, and this isn't what we see in Scripture. Because of how I was as a teen, um, when I had kids, I wanted them to choose God for who God was, to love Him, because He's a loving and awesome and amazing God. Um, and not because that they were afraid of going to hell. So instead of teaching them a healthy fear of the Lord, I just taught them about love. And I know that's kind of the way it is in a lot of churches nowadays. Um, we want people to get into heaven, uh, but we don't touch on the fear of the Lord because we don't want to scare them there. We don't want to, um, we just don't want to touch on that. And so, you know, unfortunately it's caused a lot of people to have this view of God. We kind of touched on it last week in, uh, when I was speaking, um, you know, that a loving God wouldn't send anyone to hell. And that's, you know, not the truth. It's not that he sends us, we send ourselves. But the point is, is, People are going to go to hell, and God is a just God, and unfortunately, um, there's going to be that consequence for our choices. Um, but, yeah, so we kind of shied away from that, and we've gotten into, into how much um, God loves us, which is true. Um, I want to read something from this here book. It's Jesus Freak's book, of the, uh, Voice of the Martyrs. Um, it says... <coughs> It has often been said that fear is opposite of faith. As faith motivates us towards something, fear makes us cower away from it. Faith in ourselves is key to all endeavors. Fear of failure often leads to not trying something in the first place. Faith in God frees us to talk about Him. Fear of a man keeps our mouths shut, worrying about what others will think. Faith liberates, fear incapacitates. However, there is one type of fear that does free us. The fear of God. In this modern era where we want to call Jesus our friend and think of God as our helper, the concept of the fear of the Lord gets explained away in a lot of different ways as a healthy respect for God or an awe or reverence for who he is. But the fear of God is more than that. It's not a fear like the fear of heights or the fear of getting mugged along the dark street. It's a revelation of who God is in all his power as the creator of the universe it is a revelation of the God whom the devil and all his forces are an inconvenient, an inconvenient bother. It is a fear that Jesus talked about in Matthew 10, 28, 
when he told us not to fear those who can kill the body and not the soul, but fear him who can destroy both the soul and body in hell. If we have this fear of God, who is on our side, then we can, then how can we fear what people might think? How can we ever disobey him for fear of what others might do? How can we really fear anything on this earth ever again? Strange as it might sound, the fear of God sets us free from fear itself. Jesus is the liberator. Faith in him and the holy faith of him enables us to do what others have called impossible. Um, and it was funny because I had this message written, and I just I was looking through this book this morning, and I thought, oh wow, he articulates what I what God laid on my heart very well. So that's why I wanted to read through that. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until for me it wasn't until I had a, a speaker at ladies retreat one year that we were really confronted about where we stood with God and the reality that we need to be holy and that we cannot be living uh, for ourselves and expect to make it to heaven. I come home from retreat, and I remember standing right here on the platform um, when we were doing our, our you know, little testimonies about retreat, and I remember saying that I did a, a disservice to my kids um, by only teaching them about God's love and not teaching them to have a healthy fear of God. And it was the same evangelist that we had come that fall, um, and I told you about this last week, where one of my sons was confronted with the question, um, are you 100% right with God? And that night after the service, my eight-year-old broke down and told me that he needed to pray because he knew he wasn't 100% right with God. And he was sanctified that night. He was a totally new kid. He went from being a kid that lied all the time and you couldn't trust uh, to someone who just completely reflected Jesus. And he has stayed faithful since. Um, you know, speaking about God's love is super important. And we're going to look at that right now. But we do need to realize uh, that we need to have a healthy fear of God. So Matthew 10, 29-31 said, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. God loves us. I mean, he even knows the number of hairs on our heads. And that's pretty amazing because just think about how many hair, hairs are in this room. And God knows everyone in the whole world. Um, but yeah, he knows us. He, we are worth so much to him. Um, I mean, we see his love in the fact that he sent his one and only son to die for us. Um, he loved us to death, even death on the cross. Um, and when we have a healthy fear of God, we're not afraid. But we realize um, that he's a holy God that can't stand sin. But he loves us enough to make a way for us to get rid of our sins. And gives us the power to walk in victory with him. God is love. But he has a perfect love. It doesn't fade. It doesn't go away. It doesn't change. It's always the same. Um, you know, it says there, there's there's no fear in love. You know, perfect love casts out fear. There's those verses. And it's true. Like, God's love, that's what this this is talking about. It's, there's a difference of being afraid and having a fear of things um, and having a healthy fear of God. And, yeah, we just... You know, God is love. God's amazing. God's awesome. God wants us. He loves us. He wants that relationship. Um, now, the next few verses that we're going to look at, 
These here actually made a huge difference for me um, in my walk as a teenager. It made me realize that I always need to be confident in who I am in Christ and to never be ashamed. Um, so let's look at verses 32 and 33. It says, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Um, there's verses in Mark and Luke that kind of go with this. So Mark says, um, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Um, I don't know about you, but I know I don't want Jesus to be ashamed of me. Um, I don't want him to disown me when it comes to, to you know, standing before God. Um, I want to make sure that I'm living as close to God as I can be, and that I'm open about my relationship with him and what he means to me. Um, I have to share what he's done for me, because I realize what he saved me from. Um, you know, I think sometimes the further we get away from, from that moment of salvation, sometimes we kind of block out or we forget or we don't want to think about the things that God has saved us from. But I do think it's important. I mean, I think that's probably why testimonies are so important. So people can realize that someone that was at the low of the low, <laughs> you know, God has a purpose for it, God has a plan for it, God can save you from it. That your situation isn't doesn't define you. It doesn't mean that you're always going to be there. You know, God can, he can do so much. He can break addictions. He can, you know, take you, he forgives so much. Um, and yeah, so to me, you know, I think it's important for us to realize what he saved us from. I know what he saved me from. And honestly, um, I think, you know, like I said, about us kind of forgetting where we were sometimes, because of course we don't want to dwell on where we were. Um, it wasn't uh, with me now. I knew I was a bad kid. I knew I was a brat. I knew, you know, that God did a big change in my life. Um, but it wasn't until I was working with, with the kids and we had this bunch of kids that they come in and afterwards I just think, you know, why do they want to seem to be bad? Like, I just don't get this draw to want to be bad. And God, like, in an instant, opened my eyes, and he's like, Taylor, that was you. You know, you wanted whatever it was that was bad, and I knew it was bad. That's what I wanted to do as a kid. Like, that's, that was me. And, uh, but I had forgotten some of that. I lost over some of that. You know, um, I, like I said, I remembered I was bad, but I don't, didn't quite remember that, that draw or that rebellion that I had. And so God opened my eyes to it, and, and I mean, yeah, so I know what God saved me from, and praise the Lord. Um, the best decision I've ever made was to give my heart to Him. Amen. Um, but I, I, I watched this sermon once, um, just actually in the last few years. And the preacher said that if we had found a cure for cancer or for any other awful disease, um, this was right in the start of, of the coronavirus when everything was shut down, and they're like, if we found the you know, the cure for it in this moment, um, we would be sharing it with everybody. We would be so excited and we'd be sharing it with everyone. And then she went on to say, you know, sin is the worst disease that there is out there because it has eternal consequences. It doesn't only kill the body, it kills the soul. And we have the cure. Jesus is the cure. 
And yet sometimes we are scared or embarrassed um, to, and we just don't, or we just don't feel the need to share. Uh, Romans 6, uh, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, I want to share Jesus with everyone I can. That's why I do children's ministry and youth ministry, and why I'm sharing it with you, with the word with you today. Um, but, you know, we need to see people um, not as someone that may judge us or reject us, uh, but as people who are lost and on their way to an eternity in hell. And that should move us to share Jesus with them. You know, the next time you're confronted with the question of why you do or you don't do something, and you get that uncomfortable feeling in your stomach, um, just think about standing before God and how you want Jesus to respond to the Father about you. You know, Jesus can change lives. He can make the dead alive. Uh, he can break the chains of addiction. He can bring restoration to broken relationships. He's worth sharing. And we should never be ashamed that we're a child of, the God, of God. You know, what a privilege it is to be a child of God, to be a son or a daughter of the King. Um, you know, now adoption into God's family takes us kind of into the next few verses because our family relationship with God uh, is more important than any of our earthly family relationships. And we need to choose to choose God. Um, it says, just sorry. Skip the page. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn man against his father, daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That's quite a mouthful. You know, we just celebrated Christmas, um, and we heard that Jesus was the Prince of Peace, um, and talked about peace on earth, you know, but now here's Jesus saying that he did not come to bring peace but sword. Well, Jesus coming to earth, Jesus, Jesus coming to earth did bring peace. It brings peace to those of us who choose to have a relationship with him. We get this peace that passes all understanding, um, and it's a peace that only comes from God. And it's a peace with God. Um, Jesus didn't come to bring peace between man and man or world peace. The war that he needs here is the, the war between light and darkness, sin and holiness, good and evil. Those lost in sin are always at war with God. You know, from the moment that we take our first breath, God is pursuing us. He's, he, he sends us with what's called provenient grace. It's there from the moment we take our first breath. He's after us. He's drawing us. He's wanting to draw us into a relationship with him. Um, but, you know, when we're lost in sin, <laughs> we can fight it. Um, we reject that draw. Sometimes we embrace evil, um, and so we go against God. And that's that's what Jesus is talking about here. Um, you know, some of you maybe here have been rejected or maybe a bit of an outcast in your family for turning to God. Um, but there's countless stories. Um, I mean, the voice of the martyrs uh, talks about different things in different parts of the world, and there's countless stories of people 
Um, you know, when they give their heart to the Lord, it literally means that they are uh, rejected from their family. It could even mean that they're going to be killed. Um, you know, some are beaten, severely uh, hurt from their families, rejected, kicked out of their homes. Um, yeah, it sounds weird here, I mean, but it's true. But these people know that Jesus is more important than anything else. I mean, there's still, to this day, honor killings happening. I was just reading um, on the Voice of the Martyrs website, and there was a, it was in the States, actually. Somebody in Ohio um, chose to give their life to Jesus, and their father was going to kill him, an honor killing, because they were... Uh, of a different religion, and that person had to go to Florida. I mean, I was like, whoa, this is in our backyard. Um, and it's still happening today. This is what Jesus was talking about, though, when he said, you know, man against his father, daughter against her mother. Jesus is clear that we need to love him more than our family connections. Um, because if they come against our, our, you know, our decision for Christ, we have to stand for Christ even on to death. Um, I remember reading in, in one of the Jesus Freak books um, a story about this woman and her daughter. They were thrown into prison because the woman was a Christian. Um, and after weeks of being in prison and her daughter crying all the time, the mother chose to renounce her faith and she was set free. Later, the daughter, who was only around five, um, asked the mother what happened, why they were now free. And the mother told her that she couldn't take seeing her crying anymore, so she renounced her faith, and they were set free. The little girl, with tears in her eyes, looked at her mother and said, Mama, you can't give up Jesus. I promise I won't cry anymore, but we need to go back. And they did. Um, when Jesus says, anyone that loves their children more than him, they're not worthy of him. This, this mom was willing to give up her faith because of the love for her, her child, but even her little daughter knew that this was not okay. When we go all in for Jesus, we may have family or friends turn on us, but even losing them is all worth it when it's for Jesus. Um, I mean, I read another testimony of this father that was going to be executed, and his son comes and he's begging him to, to renounce his faith. And he said, you know, all the worldly goods, everything that I have, even my children, is worth giving up because this is an eternal consequence. These things are only temporary. You know, this is eternity. And, and he was, he was uh, killed for his faith. Um, like I said, it's all worth it when it's for Jesus. Even the hard things. And that's what Jesus is telling them here. None of this sounds easy. I don't know uh, about you, but whenever I read through this text, like, what Jesus is telling them is, it's not easy. Um, but it's worth it. Now, next we see... Um, Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Uh, in Mark 8, 34 and 36, it says, um, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world but yet forfeit their soul? In Luke, it's similar but just a little bit different. He says, And the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. 
Then he said to, to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit their very self? And here in Luke, we see, um, you know, Jesus is telling them here that he's going to, you know, suffer and he's going to die and he's going to rise again. Um, but for his followers to hear this call to, you know, take up their cross and follow him. At this point, they didn't know Jesus was going to the cross. They didn't see this. You know, to them, the cross is just a, a horrible Roman torture device that they kill people on, to kill criminals on. Um, it wasn't what we see. We see, you know, a beautiful picture of God's redeeming grace. Like, that's what we see when we see the cross. But the disciples didn't have that picture of the cross yet. Um, but Jesus, you know, he's, he's just telling them that they need to deny themselves. They need to be willing to give up everything um, for him. He's telling them that they need to live a life crucified to their wants, their wishes, their sinful desires, their selfish ways, and to be like Jesus. Um, just like Christ was willing to take on the sins of the world and be killed so that we can be free and be right with God, we must be willing to nail our selfishness, our sinfulness to the cross and live daily in the freedom that comes from that. Um, remember that Jesus said that if we don't take up our crosses, then we're not worthy of him. We can't just pick up our cross here and there and expect to be worthy of Jesus. He gave everything for us, and he wants us to live a life fully surrendered to him and to walk in holiness no matter what the cost. If it costs us friends, if it costs us families, if it costs us our lifestyle, our comfort zones, or even our actual physical life, he wants everything. Um, this decision has eternal consequences and will affect everything um, from here on out, you know. But he's worth it. <laughs> um, we saw in those verses that Jesus said, if we save our lives, we will lose them. But if we lose our lives for his name's sake, we will save it. Success in all things of this world that the world looks at, at as being successful, um, or if we gain the whole world, it's nothing if we lose our souls for eternity. You know, as we come um, to the close of this, and the worship team comes, I need to ask you, you know, do you have a healthy fear of God? Are you hoping to get by on his love alone? Do you know that you're right with God? Because pretty good is not good enough for a holy God. He loves you so much, and I mean, he knows the number of hairs on your head. He, he loves you specifically so much. And he's waiting with open arms to make you right with him and to help you walk daily to become more like him, to walk in victory. Our God is worthy of our love, our lives, our everything. We should never be ashamed of him or who he is. Maybe today you need to come and confess how you've been treating the good news that we have in Jesus. You know, come. The altars are always open in this church. Come and make sure that he will not be ashamed of you when you stand before our holy God. Maybe you've been challenged on how close you're holding your families. Do you love them more than you love God? If so, please come and give them to him and put him first. Have you denied yourself and picked up your cross to follow him? Please don't wait. Come. Full surrender to God is the best place we can be in our lives. So please come.